Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp and as always I am joined by Will Muir. And how's it going today, Will? Yeah, really good, buddy. How you doing? I am good. You sound super excited. I know you are. I know it's late. Uh, it's, you know, nearly 10.30 here, Tokyo time. Uh, so I must be getting pretty late down in Adelaide. So I'll try, we'll try and make this one short, sharp and shiny for you on a Thursday night. Uh, but we have got a big show to get to. We've got to get to our game previews. You've got a few things that you want to touch on. Uh, first up, the championship draft. We've got as usual, and you've got to get on the as well. So another big show as we get ready for week five action. I will let you take us away because, as you can imagine, being here in Japan, I'm seeing sights, I'm doing things. My college football preparation has been less than stellar. So you are captaining the ship today, my friend. But that's what I want to hear of first. Like what's been happening in Japan? I'm sure all our listeners out there are curious to understand what's been going on. Anything you can share with us? Oh, well, (sighs) fucking hell. I mean, two things. Firstly, taking a bunch of school kids around is extremely inefficient. Like things move slowly, which isn't a great surprise. The only thing that moves more slowly or less efficiently is Japan in general. I was really expecting Japan to be like high tech, crazy like robots and stuff, like bringing you what you need, uh, zooming around in cars that just fly and hover around. That is not the case at all. They are so inefficient here. Getting tickets to go to some sort of uh, site to go and see, you know, sightseeing is an arduous task. And they send you all around. You're chasing ticket people. They send you on to other people. Supremely inefficient, which really shocks me. Yeah, okay. I am also surprised by that. I have the same kind of vision in my head of robots sorting out and cleaning up after everyone and it all running pretty methodically. So that's interesting to hear. Do they still like use fax machines? That is a thing here. There you go. Okay. Well, that's, that's I suppose, enough of that. And I'll uh, <laughs> put the cap, captain's hat on today. I'll, uh, I'll steer this ship and hopefully not run us into too many icebergs. This long pause is already feeling like one. <laughs> Slowly, like the Titanic going down. <laughs> So that's that's not great, not a great start of my captainship, but that's all good. We're all good. Similar to uh, <laughs> early on in my football career as a captain, I remember going out to toss the coin and kind of thinking about so much of what I wanted to say in the huddle. I went out, tossed the coin, can't remember if I won or lost it, picked an end, went back, gave my speech, and then they're like, oh, which way are we going? Could not fucking remember, like completely blanked. <laughs> so I just gassed and I picked the wrong way. So we lined up uh, incorrectly. <laughs> that's a far better story than my Japanese crap that I've just rambled about, so that's good. Whoops. But anyways, all right, so let's get into the college football stuff. Uh, there, there are a couple of things that I want to touch on in the intro here. Um, and then uh, there's a new segment. So I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to do this with you. So I was going to get into my other uh, football love of fantasy football. So I've got a bit of uh, stuff that I want to cover off on in there. If, if I had to do this by myself or with someone else, I figured I could fill some time talking about that. But we'll, we'll look at that. We'll go through our game previews. 
Uh, we've got our bold predictions, and then I've got some more picks on the punt. So hopefully we can fly through this tonight so the two of us can get to bed and you can go about seeing sights, or as you put it, sightseeing, which was <laughs> nice of you. Thank you. Yeah, well, now that you've uh, just repeated just what I said we were doing. Well, now that you've just repeated what I said we were doing in the intro, then we're wasting more time. So let's burn through it here, buddy. Come on, let's get this ship going. Okay, first thing I wanted to touch on uh, in the intro is that Derek King has decided that he's going to redshirt this year. So I'm not sure how much you've read into this, but it's a, it's an interesting manoeuvre because now with the new rules that allow you to, what is it, play up in four games? Correct. And still qualify for a redshirt? Correct. He uh, He's decided that he's got to this point, uh, things aren't looking so good at the University of Houston this year, so he's going to sit the remainder of the year and have another year of eligibility next year. So are they, is he, has he done that just um, because of how the team's traveling? I haven't read too much into it. I saw it that, he's, that he is taking a shirt and there was obviously the fear that he was then going to transfer, um, not happy with how things were going. But he said, no, he wants to stick around and play at Houston next year, but it's just because the season's going so poorly. Was that the kind of attitude? He just didn't well, want to no. fit, so, so that We haven't kind of had that confirmation as to really why at the moment, whether there's an injury at play or he's just, you know, not happy with that. Secretly, I'm thinking he's seen what's happened at Oklahoma the last two years and then again <laughs> this year. He's seen, you know, two Heisman winning transfer quarterbacks come into that program and then the current leader in Jalen Hurts uh, with the, the bookmakers has gone there and thought, you know what, I could be the next one of those guys to do that, which, you know, pretty smart. Yeah, I mean, is is he eligible to transfer and play immediately? I assume he would have graduated because he's uh, a senior this year. Yeah, I, I imagine so. I, I don't know all the details of that, but that would be my expectation. And yeah, I, I don't know if that's at play, but certainly a different dynamic that we haven't seen in college football. And it's one of those ones with you know a couple of these new rules combining together to make this a possibility. Interesting. Uh, so we'll see how that one plays out. Obviously, there's a bit more news to come around that one, uh, but it'll be interesting to see if, in fact, he transfers, which he has said, I, I believe he said he's come out and said that won't be the case, but I would question that and think that there's certainly a possibility that he will, in fact, move somewhere else to play his final year. Absolutely. And the the next thing I wanted to touch on, which kind of covers off uh, more in the basketball realm, but Kansas has been served with a notice of infraction by the NCAA. So this has been levied at the basketball program, which is one of the best in all of America, but also uh, reaches over into the college, the football program so that they have some minor infractions against them. But it's it's disappointing to see. They were just starting to get things together. And now, bam, infraction. How how serious are we talking here? Like not going to a bowl game or is this one of those token like slap on the wrists that the NCAA do or they kind of say, yeah, you've got an infraction. They never actually uh, follow through with any punishment. We never hear from it again and, and it all moves on happily. Or is this- Yeah, I know the, the basketball program are looking down the uh, the face of, you know, loss of institutional control. Uh, and Ooh. But Bill Self Shelf has come out and said- that he denies this and, and that they're going to fight it. So I think there's a bit to be played out in that space. I think the football program has a, a little bit less to own up to, but it's never something good having these NCAA clouds uh, hovering above, especially for a program that's as 
you know, irrelevant as Kansas has been. They, they finally start to show a bit of competitiveness. This is not what they need in an already difficult recruiting market. Well, that's what I was thinking. Like, who are they getting in? <laughs> like, if the, I assume it's infractions around recruiting is where the issue is. Nah, I'm not. I'm not necessarily sure. So yeah, I'm, I'm not exactly sure on the details. And you need to stop kind of trying to dig these out of me because I don't have them. <laughs> so stop asking questions. All right, my point being is if they're hit with infractions, uh, it's pretty hard to go from like bad to very bad. And then with infractions on top of that, you're like, hey, now we're just – I feel like it's um, the Brad Pitt scene in Moneyball when he's like, there are rich teams, there are poor teams – there's 50 feet of crap, and then there's Kansas football recruiting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, right. that's probably a good <laughs> analogy. Yeah. My analogies are really struggling to hit with you. You are tired, my friend. So let's let's keep this party moving. Uh, since you're captaining the ship, and I feel like I've got to hold your hand in this, where are we heading to next? So uh, I was hoping we could touch on the uh, future fantasy, fantasy studs segment. So... This was an opportunity for me to try and highlight to our listeners out there all of the players that are currently uh, going to become future fantasy assets. They're probably going to be guys that you would look to draft in dynasty leagues early on uh, and could have an immediate impact uh, at the next level. So I, I just wanted to kind of highlight the, the peak guys uh, later on and depending on the feedback that we get on this, we might go in a little bit deeper and, and, and dive in for a few others. But I think at this stage, I'll, I'll go with this and then you can give a few thoughts if you'd like as we go along, Matt. Yep, no worries. Let's do it. Perfect. Okay. So yeah, I'll, I'll run through the, the positions. Uh, so it's, it's obviously those who are going to be eligible and that we expect to uh, go on and enter into the draft. But at quarterback, there's probably two prospects who I think are likely types in uh, Tua Tungavailoa and Justin Herbert. I have those two as probably the peak uh, quarterback prospects coming out. I don't know how productive they'll be straight away, but they both certainly have all of the traits to be productive NFL quarterbacks. The other one at the moment who's putting his case forward is Jacob Eason at Washington. He, he has an absolute cannon for an arm and he's always had those skills. He just kind of hasn't pulled it together after losing the starting job to Jake Fromm and not mentioning him here is probably a bit unfair, but that's kind of where I'm at. Um, so I've, I've got those two. Is well, Two and a half, I suppose. Is there anyone else you've got, man? Uh, I don't think so. I'm trying to think of other big-armed quarterbacks that will be coming out that are those NFL-likely types. I mean, we saw Daniel Jones shoot up boards last year and and, that, and get taken six, and that was a bit of a surprise. But in his first start, he did a pretty good job against a defense that had been going okay in Tampa, certainly not great, but okay um, under Todd Bowles. So uh, I... I, I can't think of any. I mean, obviously, being a Bucks fan, Tua is kind of on, on people's lips, and he's got that dual threat ability, as does Justin Herbert. Uh, I And like I said, I've had questions around Jake Fromm. I don't know that he's also, I don't know about Justin Herbert. I don't have the confidence in him yet to step up and do what he needs to do uh, consistently at an elite level. Yes, he's got a big arm. Yeah, he can make the throws when guys are 
open, but can you make them, can you predict them and throw them on time like you need to in the and in the NFL game? And can you throw someone open and, and throw those really tight windows that are necessary uh, to, to be able to be successful? I think you summed it up pretty well. And I don't see these guys being successful early, even though Tua appears to be, and as quarterbacks are, the first one off the board. Uh, quarterbacks go early Tua will probably be the first guy off the board and the Miami Dolphins are trying to do everything in their power to get him but there'll be pressure on him to play straight away I don't necessarily think that is always a great move um, and I don't think Justin Herbert will be ready to play straight away either so it'll be interesting to see how these two guys develop uh, and and how they are looked at as pro prospects I've never been particularly successful at success from players from the college game into the NFL um, and I would hesitate to do so again here but I would say that I would have question marks around Justin Herbert particularly year one uh, and I'd certainly have questions around Tua particularly year one but I mean Kyler Murray is going okay uh, Daniel Jones is going okay so you know quarterbacks are able to Baker Mayfield went well in his first year so quarterbacks now are more likely to step in and have success in the fantasy well fantasy game and more importantly for their teams in terms of winning football games yeah I mean your fantasy results certainly speak to the fact that you're not great at predicting you're uh, a fucking how they go on I knew you were gonna you were, uh, I knew you were gonna bring up something like this dude I've been stiffed a couple of times just made a couple of bad decisions on the bench I had the better win it shouldn't have benched Adam Adam Dillane this week but anyway let's push on your team's no good mate it, it's yeah I know it's not great Duke Johnson really stiffed me anyway carry on I shall so yeah you, you're right uh on the last thing on, I'll say on the quarterbacks is starting early you obviously you want to have the weapons around you you want to be in a good position you want to have a solid o-line and you want to have some playmakers around you and if more often than not, it's teams that are drafting early that are getting quarterbacks and they're drafting early because they don't have that. So it's it, it can be a tough gig. Um, and fantasy numbers are, are definitely propped up for quarterbacks by those that have that dual threat ability. And whilst Tua and Herbert can run the ball, they're, they're not kind of the same as your Kyler or Lamar Jackson or a few of the others who are really kind of lean on that, who probably aren't as good, well, maybe not Kyler, but at least Lamar in terms of throwing the ball, but they have really fantasy-friendly games. Yeah, for sure. Okay, moving along, the running back position, and this is absolutely loaded this year. Uh, We have DeAndre Swift, Travis Etienne, uh, Jonathan Taylor, and Cam Akers. All, All four of them are not like the quarterback position. They will step in and they will have an immediate impact in my mind. Thoughts on that? Okay, interesting. I think two, yes. I think the uh, there's two others that I have question marks about from a fantasy aspect. And I, one of them is going to be completely unjustified because I know he's actually got this. Um, I just don't know if it's going to hold up at the next level. So Jonathan Taylor is a freak. I don't think anyone can question that. There may be some concerns coming out that he's got a lot of wear on the tires. He's going to, he's going to have carried the ball a lot going through his college career, but you know, that's fine, whatever, move on, take him if you think he's the best running back. Cam Akers, I think, is a fantastic one. He's really, really good in all phases of the game. DeAndre Swift is one that I'm not so sure on, only because he's a smaller type. Uh, Can he pass protect really well? That is where you get on the field as a running back is can you pass protect because it is a passing league. 
Um, and we know he's dynamic with the ball in his hands. That is not an issue. But will he be able to take the punishment of the NFL? Uh, you know, he'll probably put on a little bit of weight. Uh, but will he lose his speed? All those sorts of questions need to be asked around him. I would see him with the value of running backs being taken. I don't see him taken before the third, second, or probably before the fourth round. I think he's like a late third, fourth rounder for me from a from an NFL draft standpoint. Um, but again, we'll see how that plays out. And the, the other one is Travis Etienne, and he's not a natural runner. Like, if you look at him, he's got an awkward gait. He's not a smooth mover like DeAndre Swift, like Jonathan Taylor and Cam Akers. He just has an awkward gait. Now, I know he's got the numbers there to prove it. I know he can compete all phases of the game. He can run between the tackles. I question his breakaway speed at the next level. I think he's got it at college, and he's clearly demonstrated a lot, and a lot of people will probably come back and say, oh, he does have breakaway speed, and that's fair enough. He is quick, but so is everyone in the NFL, and don't know I'll I'll be interested I'm not ruling him out by any means I'll be interested to see um, him at the next level I think of those three of those four I'm taking Jonathan Taylor and Cam Akers ahead of the other two having said that I know nothing about fantasy so that would be my choice that is interesting because I have DeAndre Swift as my number one I think he's he's the top guy to go after and I really like Jonathan Taylor and I may be convinced to to turn on that because he does seem to be a special talent. But DeAndre Swift does have it all. I mean, you say he's a bit smaller. He is 5'9", but he's already like 220 pounds. So yeah. he's, he's got that size to him. He's, he's a strong dude, and I think he will be drafted in the first round. I, I fully expect that. Yeah, really? yeah, absolutely. It'd be interesting. I mean, this draft process will find a lot out. He's going to put up good numbers, like he is going to be fast, and if he can be dynamic and powerful, I just people. I think teams will question his his size. Uh, certainly, he's got nothing there to question his durability. I, I don't think he's ever had an injury. Certainly, nothing of any serious note. So, um, there's not really too many concerns about that coming out. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how this draft process plays out for. Um, the running backs, because I, and I, again, I certainly didn't have Joshua Jacobs at this time last year as being the number one running back off the board. Okay, so let's uh, move along now and, and we'll round this out with the wide receivers. I'm not going to include any tight ends here at this moment because there just doesn't seem to be anyone who's going to be relevant early on in my mind at this stage. If I was to yep. uh, get you to have a stab at one of the top 10 receiving uh, by receiving yards, tight end so far in the year. Do you think you could get it for me? Get one, one. of the top 10 so far on the year. Through four weeks Brevin, of college football, can you Brevin name one Jordan, tight end Miami. in the top 10? Brevin Jordan, Miami. Uh, yeah, that's correct. He's down at seven. We, uh, I think I may struggle. Oh, uh, Who's the Notre Dame tight end that had a good... Um, not in there. Week on the weekend, sorry? Not in there. Yeah, I th- he possibly wouldn't be. So, um, I, mean, I, like, I, I don't want to hang on this for too long, but Giovanni Ritchie at uh, Western Michigan, Hunter Bryant at Washington, and Jacob Breland at uh, Oregon are the three that are currently leading it. And none of those guys kind of have huge wraps on them at this stage. Not to say they don't develop into something, but um, I'm kind of, yeah interested by the tight end position at the moment yep 
but wide receivers, this is probably the most stacked class that we've had for some time at the wide receiver position. And there's a whole heap of depth that we could go into, but I'm going to try and cap it at Jerry Judy, uh, LaVisca Chenault, and T. Higgins. Those three guys for mine are real special talents. Do you have anyone else you want to just inject in there? Um, not especially. I think those three guys are really interesting because they're three very different types. Um, Chenault is a very kind of do-it-all guy. Uh, he will take end arounds. He will take uh, – he can play out of the slot. He can play outside. He's crafty as a route runner. Um, and and he's certainly got that uh, quickness in small space sort of there, stuff. There was an article – that came out during the week comparing uh, him to Julio Jones. LaVisca Chenault. Yeah, and and when he was coming out, and he was like that athletic freak. But Julio Jones is far bigger than LaVisca Chenault. I'll bring up these numbers, but you keep going. All right. Um, Judy, Jerry Judy, very crisp route runner. They're saying he's one of the best route runners to come out of uh, the college game for a long, long time, and he's got amazing hands. There's nothing you can really question about him. T. Higgins is the biggest of that lot at six foot four um, and a really, really good traditional uh, kind of Z receiver um, playing on the outside. I think there's some other guys there that we'll mention that probably have got some flaws potentially uh like a guy like colin johnson um a guy like donovan peoples jones these guys have got the body shape and the athleticism and the height and the size to play on the outside that you want um but whether they can put it all together um to uh you know be the, a, a number one guy in the NFL is yet to be seen. Uh, Henry Ruggs is another one that is coming out of Bama who is talked about in the top sort of five of, of receiver position groups. I cannot turn down Alabama wide receivers anymore, so I would be taking Jerry Judy above all of those guys. Okay. Uh, just to go circle back on that, Julio Jones, 6'3", 220. LaVisca Chenault, 6'2", 220. Ah, zing. It really got me. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like, I'm, and I feel like Julio Jones is, it plays that he was taller, longer type body in college than what LaVisca Schnott was. Maybe I'm misremembering. Um, but certainly both, obviously, Julio Jones has gone on to have a fantastic college career. Uh, and LaVisca Chenault, to me, is uh, just a bit of a different athlete in the way they go about it. But, uh, you know, I, cert- I, I feel he's, he's a bit shorter, a bit fur- thicker set than what uh, Julio Jones was at the same yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, just both superior athletes, I suppose, is the, the real thing to highlight there. Yeah, for okay. sure. Okay, that was, that was good. Uh, if, if you did enjoy listening to a bit of fantasy stuff, please let us know. Yeah, hit us up, Twitter, Instagram, at CFB Down Under. Uh, always happy to hear that some feedback. So if you do want any more content or less of something, let us know and we'll take it on board and we'll see what we can do to, to slide it in there. I'm not sure how keen Aaron will and be we'll on try because his choke. fantasy game ain't great. Yeah, that's true. And we'll try not to choke next time he says CFB down under. Sound like you were coughing up a furball well, I was going to go college football uh, down under, but that ain't right. <laughs> I know you were. I know you okay, were. Okay, game previews. All right, let's, put- let's, let's get right into it, eh? 
So uh, starting off on the Friday night games, we'll, uh, we'll run through that way. And there are a couple of really good games that are going to be on in Saturday in Australia. So I think it's a, a great little run you could get going yourself where you are watching some college football before the AFL Grand Final, get yourself all set for that and then roll on into it. Have you got any plans for the AFL Grand Final over in Japan, mate? Uh, I don't know, mate. I think our day will be booked up. I've got no idea, dude. I'm living one day at a time. I'm being led around like a lost puppy, really. So I just kind of get told what I'm doing and I rock up and move places and then eat some, you know, delicious food, whether it's a bit of ramen or some udon or um, whatever other delicious cuisine that we have here. Uh, I just really am just getting fat, to be honest. Fatter. Okay. We'll need to, you to run another city to bay to work it all off. Yeah, I know. I do need to do that. Uh, which games would you want to have a look at specifically there, William? Because I know – well, okay, actually so – There are three that I find fascinating I think are worth watching depending on what you're about, whether you're an ACC guy or a Big Ten guy might kind of dictate what you're interested in. But first, to kick things off, Duke and Virginia Tech. Uh, you got any strong thoughts about this one? Uh, not – uh, well, I'm going to really cop out here. Not especially. I think Duke have been very quiet. Uh, a, a little bit of a, not a down season for them, but certainly quiet as, as they've been replacing that quarterback position. Uh, and Quinton Harris has stepped in and done a serviceable job so far. Uh, and, you know, they've been they've been putting up some points. They've been going okay, but nothing spectacular. Virginia Tech come into this game as favourites, uh, but certainly not convincing, and there's been nothing convincing about their particular play. Uh, they got over the line against Furman by a touchdown last week, which is not a good outing before that Old Dominion, and then losing to kind of the two other teams on on their schedule so far so bc being a power five team and cincinnati being a group of five but they come in at two and two and they've really got a point to prove this week you know to see if ryan willis actually is the guy uh and whether he can carry this team and actually get that ship sailing again because the coastal at the moment's wide open and they've got an opportunity somehow to still go and win that thing uh, and they will be looking for a big big, a big big week and a big big game against the Blue Devils but I just to me this is a, a waste of time <laughs> okay so yeah I, I mean they certainly do have an opportunity to win the coastal don't they <laughs> well I don't think so but for some reason you've money on it okay so if you uh had to pick a winner oh jesus i think this will be a win i'll pick i'll pick virginia tech because they're at home uh it'll be a gross game i'm thinking like 17 10 or something. Okay, cool. So it, let's move on to Penn State, Maryland then. Okay, let's move on. Uh, where do we go next? Penn State, Maryland. Penn State, Maryland. All right, well, you're more of a Big Ten aficionado. So Maryland come off of uh, a bye last week after their disappointing loss post beating the absolute suitcase out of Syracuse. Uh, but where does this Maryland team sit? What are they? Uh, how are Josh Jackson and the Terps running game going to travel? Do they have enough to beat this Penn State's 
uh, team in what will be a bit of a proving ground uh, for Penn State. They travel, they go on the road, and a convincing win against a Maryland team that may or may not be very good uh, will be an important game for them. Yeah, it sure will be. And I think this will will have, uh, you know, an interesting uh, lens over the Big Ten because these guys are kind of seen as that next level below probably Ohio State and Wisconsin at the moment. But they they both have potential to be really good teams. I mean, we, we just don't know it because from what we've seen from Maryland so far, they're really good in absolutely smoking a decent Syracuse team or a team that we think is decent. And then the bad of dropping to was it Temple the, the Temple, week after. Yeah. So for mine, I'm I'm expecting them to really bounce back from that one. Uh, I think they they've had the week off. They've had an opportunity to kind of reflect on that disappointing result. Uh, they've got the new head boy in there, uh, Mike Loxley, is it? Yep, correct. Uh, and he will certainly be really keen to get himself his first statement win for the program because I think it is. like uh, Beating Penn State is a big deal in the Big Ten for, for a team like Maryland. So I'm projecting them to get it done here. Really? You're tipping the Terps. I mean, I think that it's a really good indication of coaching. If Maryland come out and can put the pressure on early, they can get up, they can get ahead, uh, they can slow down, certainly not an explosive Penn State defense, sorry, explosive Penn State offense, uh, then I think, yeah, absolutely they can do that. But if Maryland come out flat, after that week off, they can't get the running game going. Josh Jackson can't get going. And that Penn State defensive line just cranks up the pass rush and destroys that Maryland offense. I think that'll be a really disappointing out, outing for the Terps. And they just can't let that happen if they want to be considered serious and if they want to be seen as taking progressions or progressive steps forward. Uh, so I'm going to say... I'm going to say Penn State in a close one. I think the Terps, it wouldn't surprise me if the Terps are like up at halftime, something like that. Uh, but I agree, like this could be a real statement game and certainly worth a look. This one far outranks the Virginia Tech Duke game from me. Okay, and then after this one, we have uh, one that really kind of takes you into the AFL Grand Final. A bit of Arizona State at Cow. So this is two of the top Pac-12 teams going head-to-head. We've got the only undefeated uh, Pac-12 member left in California and Arizona State, who had that big victory over Michigan State on the road and then couldn't get it done against Colorado and are now back facing a team that feels very similar to Michigan State in California. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've got a defense that continues to be an absolute uh, just a, a brick wall, I suppose, again, particularly against the running game. Um, they haven't conceded anything more than about 20 points in any game, and that's against some reasonable offenses as well, particularly North Texas. They're known as that high-powered offense, and they held them to 17 points. Uh, so, And this is a team that knows how to win close battles. So I'm thinking that this, again, will be a, a tough outing for Jalen Daniels and the Arizona State offense. Uh, they're going to have to pass the ball consistently and consistently well to beat this cow defense. And we know that Jalen Daniels has got the ability to do it. He rolled Colorado, uh, throwing the football down the field. 
And I think if if they can, again, if Arizona State can get out to a lead, I think they can hold it, but I don't see that happening. I think Cow's ability to, uh, you know, stop the run and then hopefully score enough points. I mean, that's going to be the next big issue for that uh for that Cow Bears team is, yeah, they're going to be able to keep uh, the Sun Devils to a low enough score, but can Chase Garbers push the ball down the field enough? Can they score enough touchdowns, enough points? And it may only need to be 17 or 20 to win this game, uh, but, you know, they're going to need to be able to hold back that ASU defense as much as possible. I would be taking Cow in this one. Okay, there you go. So, yeah, I, I tend to agree that it's going to be a defensive tussle. Uh, and for mine, the big difference maker here is Michael Turk, the punter for Arizona State. Certainly uh, quite a weapon to have in these defensive matchups. And I think he could prove to be the dis- the difference maker. And I, uh, I'll go Arizona State here. What does this mean for the Pac-12 if Cal go and lose this game? Do we just switch off to all Pac-12 games for the rest of the year? I think we're probably already at that point, to be perfectly honest. I mean, you don't have to switch off because they play an interesting brand of football and you've got like a a nice mix of things with California and Washington State, like the whole gambit in between as well. So there's some good stuff, but from a national recognition, being able to challenge for the national title, yeah, absolutely. You can already turn them off. They're, They're done from that conversation in my mind. Okay. Cool. Moving okay. on to some Sunday football. Yes, absolutely. So for mine, I, I this isn't the week that I'm getting up at one thirty. I, I managed to get up early last week for the Michigan-Wisconsin big noon kickoff. This one, there's not really anything doing it for me. So please tell me if you disagree with any of these, Aaron, and my thoughts. But Texas Tech-Oklahoma, I don't see that being close. No, I think both teams will put up a lot of yards and Texas Tech will put up less points than what Oklahoma do. But interestingly enough, Jalen Hurts goes into this game as the leading rusher uh, for for either team, uh, which is shows, well, probably how much uh, both teams like to pass the ball down the field. But secondly, how well Jalen Hurts is playing as well Correct. Uh, from yep. that quarterback position. Yep, Oklahoma at, uh, then at Northwestern, Wisconsin. Uh, nothing of interest there. Northwestern have been incredibly disappointing and Wisconsin have been, to me, almost the borderline surprise packet of the season. And like I said uh, in the recap episode earlier in the week, I haven't seen a team that looks so united, so gelled from coaching staff to water boy to players to towel waving by to everyone getting on the same page. That is Wisconsin football and I expect them to... It'll probably be closer than I think only because of the big build-up to the Michigan game and there's possibly a little bit of a letdown-y sort of thing going to happen, but it won't be enough to to scare uh, a Wisconsin loss or anything like that. Okay, yeah, couldn't agree with you more on that. Uh, then another one in the Big Ten, Rutgers, Michigan. No. They're going to bounce back. Move on. Yeah, Michigan will bounce back. Rutgers are terrible. Terrible. Move on. Okay. Uh, then whilst we're talking terrible, I've got a couple of teams who have been quite disappointing in the SEC. Uh, also at one thirty, Texas A&M and Arkansas. Yeah, um, Texas A&M continue to be ranked. I feel like they've been ranked in the 20s for like the last 72 weeks straight. Um, 
I just and I don't fully understand it. I don't think Arkansas have been incredibly disappointing. I think that Chad Morris offense, which came out of Clemson and was supposed to be this, you know, this new faster paced, high scoring, dynamic offense um, for the Pigs, just just hasn't got going to the level they want, uh, and they're just not putting up enough yards and enough points to go and beat a and I know it's a home game, uh, but this is a team that lost to San Jose State last week. And that is a massively disappointing lot. Not even massively disappointing. That is like job firing sort of stuff um, for the Razorbacks. So I expect Texas A&M to go in there and handle them in a probably pretty lackluster and not particularly entertaining game. Correct. And then to cap that off, we have the Big 12 kind of nah in Kansas and TCU also at one thirty. Yeah. Just not think, worth yeah. up for, is it? I think that pretty much sums it up. I mean, Kansas have been plucky. TCU have been, well, they were a bit of a mess last week uh, in their loss to SMU and their defense didn't hold up for probably the first time. I mean, I think Kansas can go in there and win it. I don't think they will, but you know, if they can get, uh, if they could get a a good Big Twelve win against a team like TCU, that would be a, a quality outing for them. You know, they pushed West Virginia last week. I mean, TCU is a different, uh, a different monster, I suppose, but. Yeah, I don't, I don't see the way the Jayhawks... Maybe they'd respond really well to the news that came out this week and have a good week, but I don't see it happening. Yeah, no, you're right. And I think if they are able to even keep it close, it just really speaks to how important having a good head coach is to your football program because that's all that's changed. Exactly, for sure. Okay, so then moving on into 5am, we have uh, both number one and number two playing. Unfortunately, not against each other at this point, but we have Clemson uh, up against North Carolina. So North Carolina obviously knocked off the powerhouse that is Miami. Uh, Any chance they can repeat uh, that sort of performance? This is the same Miami team that was in a dogfight with Central Michigan at home last week and haven't okay. and that has been a negative firefight all week and it's going to continue on the bye week anyway Clemson North Carolina no I mean I said after the even after that Miami game I don't think North Carolina is very good uh, they've in consecutive weeks they've managed to lose to both Wake Forest and Appalachian State so I don't think that there's much to get excited about. I mean, Sam Howe gets a taste of a really good defense, a really well-coached team. Uh, it This is going to be a beatdown. I'm talking like 35-3, something like that. I don't see North Carolina being able to move the ball. Clemson will do what they want. Okay, and then uh, Alabama Old Miss previously have had some uh, cracker showdowns. I, I think those days are, are dead and gone, at least for now anyways. Yeah, well, when you, Hugh Freeze isn't cheating to get recruits, it becomes hard to compete. Uh, Old Miss will again put up yards, but they'll concede more. Alabama in an easy, easy finish. You, you missed the getting caught cheating to get recruits. That's the issue, getting caught. <laughs> well, he wasn't initially now, and then he was. So when he, when okay, he, so- anyway, we won't dwell on this. 
no, no, that's that's old news, dead and buried. We'll, we'll, we'll keep it present here. So after that, there are two really interesting games, at least in my mind. We've got a, a couple of ranked matchups uh, at that 5 o'clock uh, slot, so I think it's definitely worth getting up for and, and having a look. Hopefully you haven't had too many beers across your AFL Grand Final day, and 5 o'clock doesn't seem too daunting. But the first one there, Virginia Notre Dame. I, I really like the look of this matchup. Why don't you take us through it then, mate, and I will chip in. Sure thing. So the, for me, this one is interesting because we're going to really find out where Virginia are at. I know the two of us kind of going into the year, we're like, eh, not so sure. And then their their performances have been impressive. Uh, Notre Dame was a little similar. And then last week, they certainly didn't uh, disgrace themselves up against a very good Georgia team. And, and that was a hell of a matchup. So they came out on the wrong side of that, but didn't really slide down the polls all that much because everyone saw and respected the what they put out there on the field. So this one here is is an opportunity for both sides to kind of progress their case. So if Virginia can get this win, they're kind of saying, look, we, these guys matched it with the best of well up there with the best of the SEC and we've knocked them off so we can take on anyone or there's an opportunity here which is probably more around what I'm expecting for Notre Dame to kind of put a bit of distance behind anyone else in the ACC outside of Clemson and the rest of the the top echelon there yeah I I don't know how I see this one going I think you know, you've got a Notre Dame team that is returning and uh, playing at home and it is never, ever, ever easy to go and play um, up there against the Golden Domers. So that is a, a, a tough stadium to play at for Virginia and I think they will feel that. The offense of Notre Dame has been is coming along. I thought Ian Book did an okay job last week. I thought the play calling got better as the game progressed. Um, but Georgia is a really, really good team. I, I see no – I mean, they're nearly a two-touchdown favorite here. I'm seeing it at 12 and a half. That's correct, uh, yep. It, I think Virginia probably get it to like 10, something like that. I think Virginia are okay. Speaking of good coaching, you've got Bronco Mendenhall who continues to do really, really good good things for that Virginia program. And if you want to talk about a statement win, this would be one. The thing that I was impressed by though last week was uh, Notre Dame's ability to stop the run, particularly in the first half. It got away from them a little bit in the second half, obviously, as they started to wear down. But Bryce Perkins is their only offensive weapon. Now, whilst we've said each week that all you need to do is stop him and you stop that Virginia offense, uh, you know, teams haven't been able or managing to do that just yet. Now, whilst the quality probably hasn't been there really for Virginia, uh, they did have some struggles with an FSU team that was a bit meh. They did have some struggles with Old Dominion last week and only got up by 11 points. I don't think they'll be able to get enough consistent effort and and output on the offensive side of the ball to, to go with... Uh, Notre Dame and I think Notre Dame do this in a comfortable 10 point win it could it could be less than that like 7 to 10 points but I think it will be a comfortable outing for them at no point will Virginia really threaten yeah I agree Uh, I think it will be comfortable for Notre Dame and I think they actually go over that 12 point as well if I had to uh, put my money down Okay, yeah, the only reason I think that 
potentially won't be the case is the ability for Bronco Mendenhall to get a team prepared and ready to go. Uh, and I think he is a good coach. So uh, good coaching generally can narrow that a bit. And and I would be taking uh, taking the points with Virginia. Yeah. Well, and then there there is also the side effects of the big week last week. I mean, there was a, yeah. a lot of build up to that one. That was game day. It got all the media attention. So you can often certainly regress a little bit after those sorts of encounters. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so the other ranked matchup we have is uh, Pac-12 Clash, uh, USC and Washington. I guess they're they're really kind of trying to fight it out. Is there is this one that you would be dialing into, or what are your thoughts on this one here? I mean, I think I'd be keeping a closer eye on the Virginia Notre Dame game. I'll be looking to see how Jacob Eason goes. Last week, I thought Utah were the better team for probably three quarters. Uh, USC relied on the big play um, to Michael Pittman and Tyler Vaughn, and they were throwing, like, um, Keelan Slotus was throwing into, like, double and triple coverage at times, and just, they were plucking the ball, and then not only doing that, landing on their feet and running for touchdowns. That's not happening this week against Washington. It is just not happening. You're not going to be able to score like that, Um and, you know, actually check that. Sorry, it wasn't Keen Slows. He got knocked out of the game. Matt Fink was the guy who was throwing the ball up. Um, I was going to say that. Sorry? I was going to say that. Sorry, my bad. Um, but I just think this Washington defense takes it to another level. Uh, and the inability for USC to be able to run the ball and then combine that with, if you're going to throw that ball up against this potentially questionable uh, Washington secondary. It's just not going to result in good in good play for you. I'd, the only way USC wins this game is if they're somehow able to run the ball, and I just don't believe that they will be able to do that. I think Washington continue to hit their stride, and that 18 points a game that they're conceded, that they're conceding as a defense in Washington will be uh, matched and that won't be enough to beat the Huskies. I'm taking Washington, Jacob Eason to have a really good game uh, and I could see them turning the ball over multiple times and and doing a number on USC. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a tough game uh, when you've got your full team available to you, when you've got the full arsenal up and about and they don't. You know, we, we know that they're down to their third string quarterback. So I don't really like the Trojans' chances in this. Uh, it, it could be a good learning experience. It could also be a nasty one for them. As you said, there could be a lot of turnovers here because if they do fall behind and they have to start pressing, whilst they have supremely talented wide receivers, it's it's not going to be an easy situation for them. So, yeah, that, uh, that should be one that Washington are able to walk away with. Yeah, okay. for sure. And even though there's only four point four positions different in the rankings, I feel like the chasm between them is far bigger than just that uh, seventeen to twenty-one. Yeah, yeah, I feel you on that actually. Uh, the other ones at five o'clock. There are three games that I wouldn't necessarily be dialed into, but I'd certainly be checking on the phone as as things go. So you've got Indiana, Michigan State, uh, both of those teams three and one in the Big Ten at the moment. You've got Wake Forest and Boston College. So Wake haven't lost yet in the ACC, going up against a, a good Boston College team, who have that uh, unfortunate loss to uh, the powerhouse Kansas program, and then you have. Iowa State and Baylor are going head-to-head also for the Big 12 side of things. 
Alrighty, so moving on to the next time slot when, you know, if you did have those beers, you've got to try and drag yourself out for this. 8.30, Mississippi State, Auburn. This one's going to be good. I look forward to this. Yeah, I mean, I think what we said in the preview game, this is a real bit of a, it's got a bit of a trappy feel to it for Auburn. Now, I know that Auburn are at home, which is always uh, a benefit, uh, but they will be, you know, they did have a big week that, like you said, there was a pretty big build up with Texas A&M last week just to see what they were capable of. Uh, and I think this Mississippi State team, especially if they can continue to progress, their defense has been okay, but if they can continue to, you know, keep that uh, Auburn passing attack under wraps and put enough pressure on the run game, force the ball hopefully into Bo Nick's hands and, 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 you know, maybe get him to make some mistakes. He's certainly not tearing the game up with a high-powered uh, passing game. Maybe uh, they can they can put enough pressure on. I don't think this is going to be a, a high-scoring explosive game. I think we're talking grinded-out sort of football again. Yeah, okay. Um, after watching Auburn play last week, I have a, a lot more respect for them now this year, and I think they will be the much better team in this one. They do tend to struggle throwing the ball a little bit at the moment. So Bo Nix looks like he's a quarterback, but they're not putting up huge numbers offensively. They're, they're not kind of asking him, but there's, there's not the need to do that, to, to kind of risk that. So I, I think it's going to be another situation where they win comfortably. The The scoreboard might not reflect that it's a comfortable victory, but I think this is one where, again, they kind of assert their dominance on the field. Yeah, I think this one may be a little bit closer than that. The other game that is on at 8.30 is Kansas State at Oklahoma State. So this is my boys going head-to-head back at Boone Pickens Stadium. Uh, Again, the unranked team playing a ranked side. Yes, they're home this time, but they are favourite again. So someone is slighting them. The the bookies certainly back them more than the pollsters. I... I this is always a fascinating matchup uh, between these two programs because there's not a lot in common. Uh, the Kansas State are more of a defensive, disciplined, grinded-out football program where Oklahoma State just likes to chuck it out there, big chunk plays, fireworks all over the place. So it's often a really intriguing one to watch. Uh, are you looking forward to this or you think you might be able to get an opportunity to dial into this one? Uh, hopefully, I wouldn't mind watching a little bit more Oklahoma State football, but uh, 8.30 would make it 8 o'clock here. depends. We might be climbing Mount Fuji at that stage. Uh, it's really hard to say where we will be at. I wonder what the reception is like on Mount Fuji. Probably pretty good. Probably pretty good. It's a fair out. We have altitude sickness. Probably spewing all over myself. Um, but I don't think that Kansas State will be able to do enough to to control or curtail Tuba Hubbard at the running back position. Uh, and it's really pick your poison against Oklahoma State. Uh, it, it'll it be a little bit lower scoring than what we think. You know, every time uh, Oklahoma State step into the field, you're sort of expecting like 40 points plus for probably both teams. But I think this game could be a little bit closer. So I'm thinking like a, you know, 
33 sort of game. I think it'll be, I know that's still relatively high scoring, but I think a little bit lower scoring for these two teams. And I think Oklahoma State uh, do this, you know, pretty comfortably. I don't really think K-State will make a threat. Okay. I mean, the scores that you gave out weren't exactly pretty comfortably, but... That is true. I probably should stretch that a fraction. I didn't think it through in in any great detail. How does 35-20 sound then? Much better as an Oklahoma State fan. Okay. Okay. uh, Game day. So it's back in Lincoln, Nebraska. They are welcoming in the number five ranked Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh... I think there could be in some trouble here. I, I think this may have come a little bit early for them, but what are your thoughts on how Nebraska can handle the juggernaut that is Ohio State that is just rolling through teams at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I thought I considered this one as like a little bit under the guise of the Purdue game last year. You know, they've got they had to travel down uh, and 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 play the Boilermakers and just turnovers and things it just got away from them and I think Nebraska I was like oh is this going to suit up and I think they were number two in the country at that stage Ohio State and this sort of shapes up as a similar in a similar kind of way but Ohio State weren't rolling through teams like they are absolutely destroying teams now. Uh, Nebraska's defense is still a large, large question mark, and their offense has been good, but at times fractionally sporadic. Uh, and I, I, I don't see a way unless Adrian Martinez. In fact, it's not even going to be Adrian Martinez. Adrian Martinez will have a reasonable game, but Ohio State are giving up a grand total of nine points a game. Uh, I think that Ohio State will control both lines and you know that always leads to good situations where they can run the ball with J.K. Dobbins. Justin Fields is clearly a threat in both phases as a quarterback, whether passing or running. And that Ohio defense, which is a little bit maligned at the moment, uh, will be able to uh, keep Adrian Martinez in check enough and unless things get really weird, which I don't think they will, uh, it's just going to be Chase Young tearing it up on the defensive line, Adrian Martinez running for his life, and he'll have some big plays, but it'll just be, uh, to me, Nebraska's defensive secondary getting torched time after time after time. And uh, Justin Fields will have a proverbial day uh, and allow the Buckeyes to get home pretty comfortably. I'm talking a couple of touchdowns. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I think they are going to flex their muscles on the big stage. Uh, Chase Young, you mentioned, has been a stud that we all expected him to be this year. So he's had seven sacks so far. I think he keeps that up. I think Nebraska and and Martinez uh, is one of the most sacked quarterbacks in in all of the Big Ten. So uh, part of that is because he's trying to flip out of the backfield and, and create stuff with his legs and then gets himself caught in a bit of trouble. But I think... Another part of that is also the fact that their offensive line ain't great and that's not a good recipe coming up against this Ohio State team. So I'm with you on that one. I think they win that one quite comfortably. Uh, Next one that we'll move into is Washington State at Utah. So both teams coming off of disappointing uh, defeats last week. 
this is an opportunity for them to both steady the ship. This one is in Salt Lake City, so should be an intriguing matchup. There's, again, a contrasting styles at play here. I, I'm kind of really keen to see how this one plays out. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how both teams bounce back and both teams will look to, obviously, with a lot of conviction. Uh, I think I think, I think Washington State's game last week was far more heartbreaking perhaps than what Utah's was, although n- neither will be uh, happy with the way things went down. Uh, the biggest concern for me is Washington State's ability to run the ball against one of the best running defenses in the country. Uh, I mean, I know they don't look to run the ball, but you know you're you're deliberately planning to go uh, away from the run game, and they're going to have to. They're choosing to be one sided, and and Anthony Gordon for the for the Huskies has uh, for the Huskies for the Cougars has been fantastic. He threw, I mean, he threw nine touchdowns last week, but. I just think Utah's going to control the clock a little bit better. They're going to run the ball. Hopefully, they get Zach Moss back. Uh, they are a little bit banged up, but hopefully, they do get Zach Moss back and they can control the clock and you know force Washington State to to play from behind. And I feel like every year Washington State have a game, and maybe it was last year, last week because they did turn the ball over so much. You know, they have that six turnover game. When they do that, they do tend to bounce back pretty well. I remember one a couple of years ago where they were throwing um, pitches that were getting intercepted and they you know, turned the ball over four or five times. The following week, they, they bounce back really, really well. So there's a chance that that happens. But I think the Utes are going to uh, steady the ship, rally from last week, disappointing loss. And yeah, Utah to grind it out. Okay. I, uh, I'm not with you on this one. Uh, I think that Zach Moss does not get up for this game and, and that is the difference in this and that Washington State are able to get over the top of them here. Okay, interesting. Okay, so uh, any other games? Like lastly, I would I would want to get in there. Australia's team, Hawaii, playing at midday. Uh, they are on the road at Nevada, so that should be actually a, a tight tussle. Is there anyone else you want to get in? No, I mean, there's a few buys this week in the top 25 as well. Um, you know, in the in the ACC, there's a couple of games. NC State visit Florida State, and we get probably get to see a better case of where both of those two teams are at because they've had a rough couple of weeks uh, in terms of their play. South Carolina, Kentucky, South Carolina will be looking to bounce back. Uh, and, you know, in terms of the... Uh, group of five teams. There's nothing really that stands out too much to me, although Cincinnati have to head to Marshall. Uh, SMU head down to South Florida. Um, and, you know, I will plug the Minnesota, Minnesota heading down to Rossade Stadium uh, to play the Boilermakers in a super irrelevant game in the Big Ten. Um, but, yeah, that just about takes us through everything. Okay, it sure does. That's, uh, that was good. So um, normally this point of the show, we would touch on the championship draft, but obviously those that listened earlier in the week, we uh, 
knocked it over there because we weren't sure of your availability over in Japan. So just a quick recap of that one. I uh, went in, we were picking between uh, 11 and 25 because Hawaii had put up 34 points. So I went in and grabbed Texas so that I had a big 12 team in my squad. Uh, who did you grab again? I got Penn State. Um, not because I think they're going to go and win, go. but because I don't think Michigan's very good and I think Penn State will finish... I was because of the change of rules. I've decided to pick a team that I think will finish ranked relatively highly. Clever. Okay, so that's good. Let's go bold predictions now. You can kick us off, mate. What what have you got as your bold prediction for week five? Okay, so I want to take you back in time. I'm taking you back to the 29th of September, 2012. Now, whilst this uh, weekend doesn't fall on the 29th of September in America, it falls on the 29th of September for us on Sunday morning. Number three, LSU had the might of FCS Towson come to town. Now, this was an LSU team quarterbacked by Zach Mettenberger, and they had guys like Odell Beckham, uh, they had Russell Shepard and and uh, a whole bunch, a whole slew of NFL players. And Towson, how long ago was this? Uh, Twenty twelve. Okay. The Towson Tigers stunned number three LSU uh, up until halftime, and LSU were down, uh, which Towson could, you know, not often would you say that they would be leading at halftime against the number three team in the country. Let's fast forward here. September 28th, but we'll call it 29th, uh, 2019. Towson visit Gainesville to play the Florida Gators. And I'm going to say that we're going to have a repeat of the 2012 game against LSU and Towson will be leading at halftime against Florida. Okay, there you go. Then they'll get That's smacked. an interesting one. You've, you've dug into the archive there. Yeah. Who says I don't do prep when I'm I in like Japan? It. Yeah, well, I mean, that must have been the flight on the way over there. You're just exclusively reading up on college football. I, I like it. Smooth pause there as well. That was good. I didn't know where you were going to go. Well, this is going to sound stupid when I cut it out on the edit. <laughs> Uh, all right anyway my turn for my bold prediction so this one uh i'm my prediction is that you'll be wrong so uh, for the three saturday games that we discussed i jotted down your tips here oh gee i'll give me a bloody spell so towson are going to be leading are not going to be leading against florida at halftime Brilliant. Well done by you. No, 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 no. <laughs> on, you, on, for the Saturday games, uh, Virginia Tech at, Tech at Duke, or Duke at Virginia Tech, should I say. You you picked Virginia Tech to win that I one? I did. Yeah, I'm saying Duke will win. Okay. Uh, Penn and Maryland, you said Penn will win. I'm saying Maryland will win. And Cal and Arizona State, you said Cal, I'm saying Arizona State. So I'm saying you're going to be wrong on all three of those matchups. Gee, who are the favourites in this? Let's go back to that. So Virginia Tech, mate, you picked them. Don't don't <laughs> fucking come at me with this shit. You picked these games, and I'm telling you, you're going to be wrong in every one of them. Okay, I don't. Th- oh, my point is, I don't think that's particularly bold. Um, 
me me going the complete opposite to three things that you get to decide is not bold? Uh, well, I mean, you get to decide it on the punt every week and you still manage to lose, so... Yeah, but I do that based off of a number of different things and it's very rare that I lose all of them. Uh, yeah, I mean... I'm disappointed that you don't think that this is uh, bold because you've had a choice to pick out three results and I'm going the complete okay. opposite of all uh, of them. I think they're all close games, though. That's the thing. Anyway, I will allow it uh, and... I'll allow it at this stage until one until I get them all wrong, and then I won't allow it. But um, gee, the lines in some of those games are pretty tight. Anyway, let's don't give a shit, mate. You could have picked either side of them. You could have gone Duke. I would have gone Virginia Tech. Oh, gee, I- doesn't matter. I'm backing you in to have some knowledge over this. Well, actually, I'm backing you in to have no knowledge. Yeah, over exactly. All these. I, and for my, I don't hear up. you picking the Auburn Mississippi State game or the Virginia Notre Dame game. I said Saturday, <laughs> Friday night football. All right, let's move on out of this bickering, childlike bickering. Where are we at next? Oh, it's on the. I'm we sure. are going on the punt. Man, this is so much better after having won some money where it actually kind of makes sense that I can come into that intro and and feel good about things here. Okay, so winning winning, uh, week last week, we're going back to the same formula, exactly the same formula. So (laughs) this week I have two selections that I'm making. I have two other options and I want your help in picking them for me. Okay. And then hopefully we can jag all three, we'll get the multi going and we'll make some real money. How does that sound? That sounds perfect. Wonderful. Okay, so my first one that I'm going with is the NC State-Florida State matchup. So Florida State are currently giving five, six points, depending on uh, who you're taking that through. So I really like Florida State to cover in that one. Uh, the reason I'm going with that is that they are 7-3 and three against the spread in their last 10 games after an against-the-spread win. But more importantly, they are 4-1 and one against the spread in their last five home games against NC State. So I think they win, and they win well when NC State come to town. Yeah. yeah. Uh, on the other side of that, NC State 1-5 and five against the spread in their last six road games and 1-4 and four in their last five overall, which is not good. No. So Florida State, bouncing back, going to get the win for us, plus cover the five points there. The next one that I'm locking in is the Washington State one. So I really like Washington State to get over Utah. I know you're probably not huge on this one based off of your coverage there, but I think that Utah are probably going to be disappointed at that loss. They have been disappointing at home. So they are 0-4 against the spread in their last four home games. Uh, They're 0-6 against the spread versus a team with a winning record. And they're 0-6 against the spread in their last six games in September. Hmm, that is not so whilst we think 
Yeah, we think Utah are a good team. They're, they're really not doing great against the spread at the moment. So I'm going to take the five points that uh, we, we have on offer for Washington State in that one. Yep. Now the fun part. God. Now where I need your help. So I've got two games and there's two teams that are somewhat close to your heart and I need you to go against one of them. Okay. Okay. So the first one, Minnesota uh, at Purdue. Yeah. So I like the Golden Gophers here. They're getting something like a point or it's a pick em. It, it's, it's a pretty tight matchup this one. Yeah. Uh, just to, to help you out here. So Minnesota are 14-3-4 against the spread in their last 21 following an against the spread loss. So they bounce back. On the other hand, Purdue are 1-4 against the spread in their last five against a team with a winning record, yeah. which Minnesota have at the moment. And they're also 2-5 and five against the spread in their last seven overall. Okay, okay. Now, Minnesota have been playing teams tight this year. They just got over the line against Georgia Southern. They ju- they beat Fresno in double overtime. And they, you know, um, South Dakota State... One by just a touchdown. So, okay. Yeah, I, I don't actually hate it because I don't rate Purdue. I think Minnesota probably win that one going away. But, yeah. Okay. And the other option? The other option for you, my friend, is Nevada minus two against Australia's team, Hawaii. So, the Rainbow Warriors are 2-10-1 against the spread in their last 13 road games. It's a hell of a road trip for any any time they leave the island and it really the numbers aren't great for them there where on the other hand uh the wolf pack four and oh against the spread against uh a team with a winning record and they're also five and one against the spread in their last six games Mm -hmm. i actually like both of those both of those are juicy to me i think i Hawaii aren't great away from home. They turn the ball over too much. Kyle McDonald's just been throwing interceptions like crazy. I'd be tending to lean into the Nevada Wolf Pack, but I also think the Golden Gophers is a good pick. So I'm actually happy with either of those. Okay, let's do it. Lock it in. We're going two units on all of these matchups, and then we're going two units on all four of them to get up. So it's going to be a big multi-payout on this one. Okay, yeah. Gee, feeling confident this week. Yeah, well, you've just kind of backed me in on, on what we've done there, so we might as well swing for the fences a little bit here. We'll go the four, two units on each, and then the multi. This is going to be good, mate. All right. Maybe I, if it all comes up, I can come join you for the, the back end of your trip. Yeah, eh? that'd be good. The kids will be at school. That'll be sweet. We'll go. I don't know what you do here with time work i think or fall asleep at a starbucks i don't know anyway okay um that brings us to the end of this week five preview um i know it's been a late one for you will so i won't keep you around any longer than this but please as always do join us on Twitter or on Instagram at CFB Down Under. Make sure you do hit us up. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review. Do all those things. Tell all your friends. Tell your family. Let's get everybody on board as we are coming up to halfway through college football season for 2019. On behalf of that guy sitting over there who captained the ship for not the first time, but the first time with me tonight. So well done to you, William. A bit shaky early. Thanks, Mark. You probably nicked a couple of the... uh, 
little docks on the way out as we left port, but you managed to get her on the straight and narrow eventually. Uh, but on behalf of uh, first mate Will Murden, I am the captain all the way over here in Japan. My name's Aaron Kemp, and we will see you next time. Just sit right back and you'll hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip That started from this tropic boy, a boy, this tiny ship The mate was a mighty sailor man, skipper brave and sure Five passengers set sail that day for a three-hour tour